This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I will say real quick before we go into this, hymns are crazy. Welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week, we watched season three, episode 15 of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Consequences. As well as Gilmore Girls' Face Off. Well, we're definitely getting to the meat of what these seasons are about, at least with Buffy. Yes. Finally, it's becoming clear what Buffy is. Even though it kind of was spoiled for me that the mayor was going to be the villain, probably because you've been whispering the mayor for like the last year. And so has like Snyder. Yes, yes, yes. In season two, he's like, the mayor, he's going to have to say something about this. And where is Snyder? He's in Deep Space Nine right now. Oh, probably. Actually. He's running a little bar for Klingons and and such. And you think Gilmore Girls is getting into its meat? I just want to make it clear that I know he's not... Not a Klingon. Okay, he's a Ferengi, but like sometimes Klingons come to his bar in Deep Space Nine. I had no question what you meant. He- okay, I just don't want somebody to be TikTok messaging me, hey, I'm mad about that. Also, yeah, I think Gilmore Girls this season is clearly about like Rory finding out love is messy and maybe it isn't perfectly clear to her what she wants. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be problematic going forward. Mm-hmm. We're having some sort of like amazing drama unfold in our lives as well because outside we have that neighbor who like juggles and paints and does weird stuff all the time. He's been planting a bunch of stuff out there. While our other neighbor, the one who has barking dogs and also like sits in the window naked while oiling herself, mm-hmm. she doesn't like that he's added a bunch of these plants for like pretty stupid reasons and they're having some fights. So this is just entertainment. It's, it's so good. I've seen her take like two friends out to the yard to loudly complain about how much she hates the plants. That's where the drama lies, because she hasn't actually confronted him, but she's been complaining loudly to other people. You know there's going to be a confrontation. There'll be a day. There'll be a day where it happens. I'm so interested, because she's like the loudest, most talkative woman I've ever seen or met, and I don't think I've seen him speak more than one time. So I am so interested. Maybe they'll bond over how you've yelled at both of them. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Are cats better? We don't know. He still throws up randomly. But he isn't hyperventilating or struggling to breathe, so that's good. Yeah. I don't know. It's just weird that he's suddenly so tummy sensitive. Yeah. We watched Pretty Woman and then the movies that made us commentary on the movie Pretty Woman. It's a bad movie. How did anyone like this movie? When we were watching it, we're like, this is supposed to be a romantic comedy? It's not really funny. And then when you watch the behind the scenes thing, it's like, not really. It was supposed to be a drama and then like... A dark drama too. Yeah, but then they had Gary Marshall direct it and just like wrote as they went, trying to add more comedy to it and like made people improvise. I'm like, no wonder it's not funny. It wasn't supposed to be. Yeah, the dude from Happy Days decided to direct. That's so crazy. That's like Requiem for a Dream. They were like, all right, we got this script, but what we're thinking is of what if one of the Simpson writers kind of spruced it up a bit. I shouldn't say it was a bad movie, but I don't think it's a good movie. I mean, Julia Roberts is great in anything she does. Yeah. But yeah, I just, it was it's not funny. And then the scenes that are trying to be funny, I'm like, no, these jokes do not work. Maybe at the time it was groundbreaking or said something. Yeah, I guess. All right, do you want to talk about our shows, B? I call him B sometimes. Back off about it. I call you B too. I, when I say it, it means bitch, but... I do feel like there was a time where... No, I think it's our friends that call each other B. It's like short for something, but yes. they both call each other B. It's confusing when we're all together and it's like, whose affectionate name is being said right now? Mm-hmm. 
My sister and her husband both call each other Frank because one night my sister asked, can I be Frank? And he said, you sure can. <laughs> they just both call each other Frank. Okay. It's funny. Let's do it. So this week we started with Buffet. Stacy, can you tell us all about consequences? The general concept? Yeah, I just don't understand. Like I do a lot of actions and then things happen and I don't understand. Well, how about I explain consequences by telling you about the Buffy episode? Okay. So this episode is about the aftermath of Faith killing that dude and everyone trying to get her to take accountability for her actions because pretty much everyone knows what she did except Faith doesn't seem to be admitting to herself that she did it or that it's a problem if she can't admit to herself that she did it. And I guess Buffy and Faith's different approaches to the morality of being a slayer are kind of coming to a head. Has that sort of been brewing under the surface all season? Mm -hmm. So it opens on Buffy having a dream where she's drowning. Alan, the mayor's dead assistant, the man that Faith killed in the previous episode, is alive and he's pulling Buffy down. Buffy finally makes it up for air and Faith is there pushing her back under metaphor we do have to be clear that when you say his dead assistant because he has a dead assistant which is mr trick spoilers how's that spoilers because he dies in this episode well i meant because he's a vampire oh and he dies in this episode yep (laughs) spoilers buffy wakes up goes to find her mommy she's wearing cute little sleepy sheep jammies totally the type of jammies that rory would wear yeah Joyce is watching the news. They've found the body of Alan. Joyce can't believe it. This is terrible. A death in Sunnydale? A stabbing? I mean, people die so horribly every day in this town. I'm so sick of Joyce's selective despair. (laughs) Buffy needs to have a frank conversation with her mom. Be like, hey, uh, yeah, I found my teacher's body with no head. Um, That was in season one. That's what she calls sophomore year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wesley's still around. He wants Faith and Buffy to investigate the murder. Buffy's like, what? We're not detectives. But she's right. Like, that's not really what they do. You look into it, Wesley. Yeah. Get Angel to do it. He's going to become a murder investigator in a couple years on Bones. (laughs) Did you know his name is Seely Booth in that show? What? What is... No. That's not a name. No. Cancel the show. Seely Booth. Nope. I think they did cancel it, or it ran its course. I don't know. We're not watching it. Not after the name Seely Booth. Seely Booth. I'll accept someone named Angel, but not Seely Booth. It's in his, like, contract. He has to have a dumb name. (laughs) Cordelia comes in and just gets totally eye-fucked by Wesley. Jesus, dude, settle down. He doesn't realize she's a student at first, but, like, even if he wasn't at work, this level of ogling isn't appropriate anywhere. They're watchers, okay, boo? They're allowed to watch, as long as it's just watching. I mean, to be fair, she looks like she should be a teacher. Yeah, Charisma Carpenter looks like an adult. He shakes her hand. Giles walks by and is like, she's a student, dude. Don't be creepy. Even though I dated someone exactly her age who was cast as a teacher. (laughs) He pulls his hand away. He's like, I'm here to watch. Girls. I mean, Buffy and Faith. (laughs) It's confusing at this school. Sometimes students teach. I get it. Cordelia's like flirting right back, though. Like, this is clearly not the last time they'll shake hands. Ooh. Did your body just react? No, I just said ooh. Oh, I thought it was your tummy growling. It was my dick. (laughs) It really does sound like a tummy growl. It's so funny that they keep finding ways to keep Cordelia part of the show. This is the second time recently where she's come to get a book, and that's like the fourth time anyone's ever done that. Oh, the name of the book, too, is... uh, Freud and Young. Freud and Young, which I feel like is a wink-wink. Yeah. The scene ends with Wesley telling them that he's their commander now and that he's basically ordering them to investigate this. Buffy and Faith talk privately. Buffy's like, I can't lie for you. I can't pretend I don't know the truth. And it's just going to get worse if we try to cover it up. And Faith's like, well, you're an accomplice. So if you tell, I'm going to drag you down with me, basically. Oh, Faith calls Buffy B, too. Oh, That means she loves her. Yeah. 
Buffy tries to talk to Willow about all this, but things are still awkward between them because last we saw Willow, Buffy was ditching her to go hang out with Faith. Willow doesn't want to talk to her. She's got to go figure out how to unrat Amy still. And Angel's getting a jump start on his bones in days. The cops are investigating the murder and he's just lurking. He's lurking this whole episode. You think the cops are like, hey man, do you need something? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just sort of always standing around, sniffing the blood. But he knows that Buffy was involved because he sees some blood. And she had blood on her hand that night. And that must be the only blood that was flowing in Sunnydale that night. So I'm sure there's a connection. I mean, I guess you could argue he might be able to smell the blood. He, they set up in season two that he can smell blood. And sun. He could smell sun. He could smell blood. I guess it's also like the area where he saw Buffy. The mayor is busy shredding the paper trail that Alan left behind, and he's just not getting off on the paper shredder the way he used to. Mr. Trick has some intel. He's got the coroner's report, and apparently they found some stake in his heart, meaning the Slayers probably did this. Oh, I thought it was like heart disease. No, like steak like the wood mm. one. He just swallowed a steak. <laughs> no, it was just being poetic. Turns out the guy's got a bunch of fat in his arteries. The mayor loves that the Slayers might have done it, and he does a spooky little giggle. Faith and Buffy are breaking into Alan's office to, I don't know what. This look, doesn't make sense. Look for clues? Like, I get that Wesley commanded them to do this, but they know what actually happened. They should be figuring out how to lie to Wesley. There's no point in actually investigating anything. Yeah, what are they going to discover? Like, oh, it turns out we did kill him. Right. I guess Buffy's trying to figure out why he was in the alley. Yeah. I don't know that we ever really get an answer to that. I don't think we know. I think he was trying to rat out the mayor. To the Slayers? Yeah. That's Buffy's theory that he was looking for them, but like, why? I don't, I don't know. I think that is what we're led to believe, though. We don't have another explanation for why he's there. I mean, I think he is a little worried about the mayor's evilness. Maybe not quite what he signed up for. But they notice that Alan's papers are gone, which is sus. And then they see the mayor in the hallway talking to Mr. Trick. So they know he's no good. Because they know Trick's no good. Because they know he's a vampire. Vampires are no good unless you're Angel. Faith and Buffy are, like, processing this. And Buffy really wants Faith to feel guilty for killing someone, and it's just not happening. Like, Buffy wants to go to Giles, and Faith's like, nope, it'll all just go away. If it doesn't, we'll hop on a boat and bail. She says she feels bad, but also thinks that this is just, like, part of the job. Like, sometimes you're going to kill an Alan, and Buffy doesn't think so. Couple things about this. First thing, why boats? Why not a bus? I just feel like a boat is like way more suspect if you're on a boat. Where are you going with a boat? Yeah, it makes sense that Angel has to take a boat. Yeah, to like a continent, sure. I mean, because probably because it's the freest way to hitchhike. You can't just hop on a plane or a bus without a ticket. Right. And the thing with Faith is, I feel like there is some truth into the idea of like they're saving lives every day. If there's a casualty here or there, it's like, well, that sucks. You know, you try to avoid that, but at the end of the day you're saving so many more people yeah because she's kind of like people need us it's more important that we're saving the world than like going to jail for murdering this dude who was like maybe a bad dude anyway right and the idea of like going to court and all that that like they introduced in this episode i feel like it's kind of silly it's like you make sure that faith isn't a psychopath and you're like hey you know just be careful yeah i mean it is kind of a problem that she's feeling no remorse though yeah i agree like, I think she does make some solid points, but it's worrisome that she's not feeling the guilt. Mm -hmm. And, like, trying to frame Buffy eventually. Spoilers. Buffy goes home, and the detective is there. 
We see him interviewing her and Faith in their respective apartments, asking them the same questions. Their answers don't quite match up. It's clear he doesn't trust them. He says some people saw them near the alley. Who, Angel? Did he tell? Yeah, I like the idea of Ted. I'll tell Angel. He was Buffy. Hey, I saw Buffy out here. Instead of the fake investigating, they should have been getting their story straight in case this happened. Yeah. Is he asking these questions in front of Joyce, too? Because, like, he mentions that this guy was stabbed through the heart with wood. You'd think she would know what that implies. Joyce is so oblivious. But he's like, if you're protecting someone, it'll be a lot easier if you tell me now. And Buffy's like, I don't know. Faye's like, I don't know. And then they show him leaving Faith's place, and Angel's there, still lurking. Buffy goes to Willow's window. She's wearing another coat that we've never seen. I don't get the impression that Joyce has money. Maybe her dad sends her stuff? But why is he sending her coats? We know Buffy doesn't have a job. Does the Watchers Council pay her in coats? (laughs) She's like, great, I live in a warm climate, and they send me a new, long, thick coat, like, every week. Cool. Willow's ready to talk about their problems. She just starts telling Buffy all this stuff she's been bottling up. And Buffy just loses it. She starts crying. And Willow's like, no, 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 no. And then Buffy tells her everything. Tells her all about the murder. Willow's like, you gotta tell Giles. So Buffy goes to the library. I'm pretty sure you can see the clock. And it's like after nine, she just assumed he'd be at the library and not at his house. Being able to text would like 100% have solved everything that happened in this scene. I mean, most of Buffy. (laughs) She's like, hey, Jai guy, you up? Face no good. See you tomorrow. But Buffy's about to tell him everything, and then Faith pops out of his office. She already told Giles that Buffy did it. He's pissed. I'm like, what? This doesn't make any sense. He would never trust Faith over Buffy. And I was right, because when Faith leaves, he's like, yeah, I know, I was fucking with you. She's a terrible liar. But I had to make her think she convinced me. I just like that version of Giles. I was just fucking with you, Buff. (laughs) We're buds now. Come on, have a drink. (laughs) I hope they get drunk together. Is that an episode? Mm Mm-hmm. And then Giles kind of almost has the same mentality as Faith here. He's like, yeah, shit happens, baby girl. Slayers kill people sometimes. <laughs> Giles is very relaxed in this episode. He's moved into the library. He's, He's just smoking a, a cigarette. <laughs> Listen, baby girl, you're good. He says it's up to the council to decide what to do about punishment, but he's not going to tell the council. But they both agree that Faith is wigging, to use their word. They didn't say that in this episode, but I'm surprised they didn't. Yeah, we had to go back to make sure they didn't say wigging. They said freaking. Mm -hmm. But they agree that Faith's in denial. They're like, let's call together our group of wise teenage friends. I'm sure one of them will know (laughs) what to do. In the meantime, tell no one. And now Wesley is lurking. And then he calls and tattles to the Watcher's Council. So the gang is meeting, figuring out what to do. They're meeting in, like, the cafeteria, too, which is, like... What time is it? Why are you meeting there? It kind of looked like it was, like, before school, like, the lighting, like, all the chairs were stacked on the tables and stuff. I guess maybe they didn't want Faith or Wesley to, like, walk in. I guess that actually kind of justifies it. They could go to Giles' house or, like, a park. I bet the janitor heard. Janitor's heard some shit, man. Xander thinks he'll be able to get through to Faith because of their connection. But Giles is like, Xander, you've had the least connection with Faith, which I don't know if that's true. Well, Willow didn't suggest she talk to Faith, though. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think Willow and Faith really have much of a relationship. Xander has been alone with her other than the sex time, though. Yes. But Xander's like, no, no, we've had all kinds of contact. And they just, like, keep pressing him on this. (laughs) And then they all put it together. I don't know how exactly they put it together. I guess because Faith's made it known that slang makes her horny. And Xander says that he drove her home after slang. Like, they really kind of make a leap that they had sex. Yeah. 
And Buffy's like, yeah, but Faith doesn't actually like the guys she has sex with, so she's not going to listen to you. She's a cold, hard bitch who can't love. I feel like Buffy could have been a little nicer about it. Uh, she's like, yeah. you mean the people that she has sex with are like jokes to her, like pathetic losers with small dicks. <laughs> They'll never make it with a slayer of any type. Zeppo. <laughs> yeah. But then Willow goes all Rory. Yeah, she's a little jelly donut. So then Giles is into her. <laughs> <laughs> Giles likes jelly donuts, if you didn't remember. Yeah, Giles tells Willow to hack into the mayor's files, like that's something she can do. But she instead goes to the bathroom and just weeps with the door open like a weirdo. There's a whole sadness montage. Xander's sad, Faith's sad. Faith has put on tight leather pants to just lay around her room watching TV. Like, that's a weird choice. A lot of times I'll be cold and I'll be like, I gotta put on my tight leather pants to lounge around the house. (laughs) For someone with no money, she has a lot of leather clothing. I guess she probably steals, though, huh? That's true. Let's talk about the Willow thing for a sec. Okay. So, like, Willow crying, I kind of liked that because it at least acknowledges that there was something going on with Xander and Willow this season because I feel like they just dropped that storyline completely. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah, they were, like, insatiably attracted to each other, and then, no, we forgot about that completely. I liked it, too, I It guess. also seemed real. Yeah, I, th- I do feel like she would feel that way because it's kind of like, how she felt when he wouldn't date her, but then he did date Cordelia. Like, that was all physical. And now, like, they were actually in love, but he lost his virginity to this just, like, I don't know, sex-crazed girl. Yeah. And it didn't mean anything. Right. And she, like, very vulnerably offered herself to Oz, and he rejected her. I don't know that that's exactly part of it, but, like, Oz wouldn't have sex with her because of the Xander thing. Where she could have maybe just had sex with Xander. I don't know that she's like, I'm sad I don't get sex from Xander. No, I don't think that was the crime. But I I think that's all kind of part of it. But I I liked it because it seemed very real to me in that I feel like a cleaner, quote unquote, script would just not have that. Because it's like, oh, well, she's not into Xander. But I feel like emotions are complicated, like we will see in Gilmore Girls. Right. Not everything is black and white. So I think this is a real thing someone could feel and have. So I'm, I'm glad they kept that in the show, honestly. But Xander shows up to talk to Faith. They told him it wouldn't work. He didn't listen. He's like, I know firsthand how riled up you get when you're slang, so I would testify to that in court. But she's not into this. And she gets, like, aggressively sexual with him and, like, almost chokes him to death. But luckily, he's rescued by Angel, who gets into her motel room. How? I don't know. Did Xander whisper an invite? Like Motels are a bit vague, perhaps? Yeah. As far as Faith doesn't own it? I don't think we've seen him in her room. She doesn't like him. She wouldn't have let him in. Unless they, like, left the door open? Still, that doesn't work. Maybe she stole that sign from the school that said, Enter all ye who seek knowledge. Yeah. (laughs) Why would she do that? Because she likes to steal. (laughs) That must be it. Otherwise, it doesn't really make sense. Angel was like, oh, thank God. I can come (laughs) in. I always want knowledge. Did they sage him out of the school when he was evil? Because he's in the school in this episode. Like, did they get rid of that sign? (laughs) I don't think so. I think it's a mistake, right? I think so, too. I mean, maybe we're wrong. Tell us if you guys saw something we missed. If we're wrong. Mr. Trick and the mayor are watching the security footage of Faith and Buffy in the building, and they're all worried because they know that they saw them. Angel's got Faith chained up at his house. Angel's trying to shrink Faith, as Faith says, like act like a therapist, basically. And then he goes to talk to Buffy, who's like hiding outside. I guess their plan is to like keep her chained up until they can get through to her. Angel does have experience working through darkness, but I don't know. His plan seems dumb. He's worried that because she's killed someone that she has a taste for it now. 
I feel like that's a stretch. That's a conclusion jump. Yeah. I like, mean, that might be a you thing, bud. He would know, but is he like in touch with his Angelus feelings as Angel? But Angelus is also like a demon. Demons like to kill by default. Yeah. So he's trying to like scare straight her by telling her all this. You know, he knows what it's like to murder and it's going to happen to you if you don't start behaving yourself, young lady. I don't know. But then Wesley and the Watchers bust in. They trap Angel like a bear. They take Faith away to face judgment. They got her in a truck. She knocks down Wesley's little assistant, who we don't know, then convinces Wesley to unchain her by threatening to, like, pop this guy's head like a grape. Wesley then unchains her. I guess he has to, because she probably would have crushed that guy if he didn't. Yeah. But it's like, if you unchain her, she's going to crush you. So what do you do? And she didn't. No, she didn't. But, I mean, it wasn't going to go well for him, and it didn't. She, like, knocks him out and then escapes out the back of the truck while it's running. I had a problem with some of these scenes, though. The Watchers come in, they know Angel's a vampire because they use crosses on him, but they don't kill him. I know. I'm, I wonder about that, too. Like, Wesley's met him. He knows he's a vampire. He knows Buffy's friends with him, so right. maybe he doesn't want to piss off Buffy by killing him, but, like, you'd think they would do something a little bit more than, like, leave him in a thin net in his apartment. Yeah, because they've already set up that Wesley, like, maybe doesn't give a shit what Buffy thinks. Yeah. He's definitely the kind of guy that's like, well, I'm going to do what I know is right. And I feel like the other Watchers would feel the same. So it's just surprising that they didn't kill him. I mean, I guess they did leave him trapped. So maybe their plan was to go get him later. But you think they would have like brought him with or something. I feel like they should have just killed him. I mean, not that they should have, but that they could have and would have. It should have crossed their minds. Buffy goes back to Angel's. She's rubbing her arms. She's chilly. Where's one of her many coats? (laughs) I guess she's not fighting in the scene. So she doesn't need her stunt double to wear extra padding under that coat. So she sets Angel free. They all go to the library trying to figure out what to do. Willow's like, maybe we should let Faith go to jail? And I can't say I disagree. People know what she did at this point, and she is out of control. Like, what else are they supposed to do? I don't know that Faith is out of control. I know we're supposed to say she is, but, like, she killed one person and she talked really tough. She tried to frame Buffy. She tried to kill Xander. You're right. But Buffy's convinced that Angel's got a future career as a therapist. So she's like, give him time. He can do it. And then Wesley shows up and tells everyone that she got away. Everyone hates him even more now. Yeah. I think there's an important line from Wesley, though. He's super humiliated and pathetic, but he does say, like, what can I do? I want to help. Yeah, but I feel like they just don't trust him now. No, I agree. I just mean I think it's an important character thing. Yeah, yeah, he, he definitely... He isn't evil. He knew he messed up and he felt sorry. Yeah, and he was willing to be like, in what way can I be an asset right now? He's just very by the books and thought he was doing the right thing. He's not like actively trying to thwart Buffy. Exactly. It was a humility thing too. He didn't suggest this is what we should do. He was like, yes, I I don't know. Mm -hmm. So Buffy goes to the docks. Has anything good ever happened at any docks? No. (laughs) Not in Sunnydale, but not anywhere else either. Faith is there. Buffy shows up in yet another coat. This one's like leopard print or something. She tries to reason with Faith again, but nah. Faith's like, you're just jealous that you can't like let go and be all carefree and cool like I am. And then Buffy smacks her. And then a crate falls. No reason. Is this Mario? (laughs) Buffy pushes Faith out of the way. And I think she kind of gets caught on it. Probably her big dumb coat. I don't know if it was like her body part. (laughs) I think it might have been the coat. But she is fighting in this scene, so she needs her pads. Then Mr. Trick and some other vampires show up. Just so you know, they're the reasons that thing fell on them. <laughs> Did they show that? No, I mean, that's implied because they're there and like something went flying at them. Sure, they could have engineered them. Faith fights them. Buffy manages to get out from under the crate and fights Mr. Trick. Stunt double. Yeah, <laughs> it's so clearly a stunt double. <laughs> you don't see his face for like 95% of the shots. 
He's going to get Buffy. He's growling. It's not looking good. He makes some joke about how once you've tasted a Slayer, you never go back. Oh. Mm -hmm. Because he's black. Yes. But what does this, back to what? Back to eating people other than Slayers? Like, you'd starve, dude. You can't just eat Slayers. Yeah. Unless you're killing a Slayer every day. Good points, honey. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And then Faith stakes him but he gets like a solid 10 seconds to get the rest of his joke out (laughs) apparently if a vampire's got a really good line they get a little extra time before they die yeah so if you're a vampire think of like a real good real long one-liner if buffy's ever a vampire she'll live forever she's got quips for days yeah and that's the end of mr trick i guess i expected more from him he like came in as this cool dude and then was just the mayor's lackey he was season three's anointed one yeah bummer i do think he served a purpose though to set up that the mayor needs an assistant so faith didn't let buffy die i guess that's good there's some love in there for buffy but buffy doesn't say thank you she's very ungrateful it's not cute she goes and has tea with giles in the library he lives there now and she tells giles that she's not gonna give up on faith and giles is like can i just adopt you i like love you so much (laughs) the mayor's leaving his office for the night he's sad all his friends are dead and shredders lost its sex appeal And he opens the door and Faith is there. She's like, hey, what's up? I killed Mr. Trick. He's like, yeah, MBD. Wasn't super attached. And she's like, I would absolutely love like an internship with you if you're hiring. And he's like, totally come on in for an interview. And that's the episode. Yeah. Some of that was paraphrased at the end there. but No, those are the exact lines of dialogue. For half a second, I remember thinking, like, why isn't the mayor, like, a little worried at first? But then I remember that he's, like, immortal right now, so. Yeah, I know. I, I honestly thought it would end with her attacking him, and it wouldn't work. And maybe then she'd be like, oh, cool. Let's work together. I like an immortal guy. Did they have sex? Dude, you thought Wesley and Cordelia was weird? So, Brian, is this a good episode? Yeah, it was a good episode. First off, I want to say that I just saw today that the mayor, the actor, was also in Star Trek. So Which we should one? have been referencing him from Star Trek all along. Like one episode or? I, I don't know. I think it was just one, yeah. Yeah, I thought this was a good episode. We're moving the plot along. We know what's going on with Faith right now. Wesley sort of has like a little bit of a character development moment. Is this going to be a shift for him? I'm not speaking to any of that. Okay. All I want to say is that I thought it was a good character episode. Like it was fun to see some consequences from the Zeppo episode. It wasn't just a throwaway. You know, Xander thought he had this, like, kind of intimate moment with Faith. Do you think that if Faith hadn't killed a guy and was, like, under a lot of scrutiny from, like, Giles and Buffy and Wesley, that Xander would have gotten through to her? Like, do you think maybe her and Xander do have a connection? I don't think they have a connection. Just asking. I don't think she, like, hates Xander or anything like that. She might not have tried to choke him if it weren't for all those factors, though. No. But I don't know that she would have even had sex with him. I think she was offering to have sex with him as like a distraction, sort of a subject change. But then why was she going to kill him? I don't even know that she was going to kill him. I think she might have just been like showing him like, I can kill you. Angel was right, maybe. She's got a taste for it. Yeah, I thought this episode just paid off a lot of stuff from previous episodes and is moving the plot along. And I don't know, I liked it. And and Trick dying was surprising. Yeah, I kind of a little bit saw it coming that Faith would tell Giles. Yeah. But I was still surprised when that happened. Like, that was a good moment of drama. I think I looked at you like, what's happening? And it was true to the characters because you were like, there's Giles, there's no way he believed it. And it's like, no, he didn't. He trusts Buffy. Buffy breaking down for Willow was nice. Yeah. Props to Sarah Michelle Gellar forever. She's very good at drama. All right. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile, Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed. 
Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're going to discuss it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed, Season 3, Episode 15, Just Harried, Piper is praying for a demon-free wedding day. But Prue's astral self has other plans, as dreams take her into a wild world without rules and responsibility that affect reality when the police arrest Prue on suspicion of murder. Right, right. So, uh, Piper is already married, we said? They got married, like, low-key over the summer, because he's a dog, and most people wouldn't be into that. And then they had another more socially acceptable wedding where they turned him into a man temporarily. This also could be a wedding where she's like, you know what? We're going to do a dog wedding, because I feel like it was uncool to do that to my husband. That could be. This is a very public dog wedding. Yeah, and she's like, we're doing it again. He's a dog, everyone. No Get demons, please. It. She's praying to, you know, whatever witches pray to. Hecata. To demons, weirdly. Yeah. But Prue's astral self, which is, I mean, what, one dimension if she's two-dimensional? Yeah, one of her dimensions goes away. I'm assuming that Prue had a dream where none of them ever had to pay taxes and it was, like, super great. But then that happens in real life. And so the FBI shows up with the police and they're like, we're arresting you for evading your taxes. And murder. Yes, it did say murder (laughs) in there. Yeah, I know. I knew that. I knew that. I did not forget that. I'm just retelling the episode. It was kind of like Faith. Once she had a taste for like tax evasion and law breaking, just general law breaking, she's yeah. like, I could probably get away with murder. Yeah. But she didn't kill anyone. She just said that out loud. Her astral self did. Mm-hmm. But you know how astral selves are, they affect the real world. Yeah, this happens all the time. So the person that she said she was going to murder in the astral plane, their real world self was like, What? Prue's going to murder me. And that person was married to a cop. Yeah, it was very convoluted plot. So the police bust Piper's public dog wedding. Wow, that's hard to say. The police bust Piper's public puppy wedding. Well, he's a big boy. Yeah, you're right. He's not a puppy. He's a bull terrier, if your dad's correct. And I'm sure my dad is correct. But then uh, the next time that the police officer's significant other goes to sleep, their astral self meets Prue in the astral plane. And Prue's like, whoa, whoa, dude. I was, she was, I was just joking around. None of that's real. And they fix it all. Yeah. She wouldn't kill someone on her sister's third wedding day. No. So they immediately let her go. Yeah. Puts on her bridesmaid's dress. It's a great wedding. It's beautiful. We cried. I am crying now. But I'm thinking of Xander having sex with Faith. That's what's making me sad. And this has been Meanwhile Uncharged. And then we watched Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell us about Face Off. So this Gilmore Girls episode is about two things, really. It's about Rory's examination and emotions and feelings about her relationship with Jess as compared to her relationship with Dean. And also it's about Emily fighting with her mother-in-law. Again. Again. So the episode starts at Luke's, and Taylor is talking to Lorelai. Apparently, he wants to confirm that everything's okay with the inn and their reservations for the big doocy... Is it dozy? It's dozy. For the big dozy reunion. It's kind of funny. He's talking about, you better be ready, that we are prone to night terrors. He's also got, like, a giant button on that's super busy. It's about the um, regional semifinals of a hockey team, the high school hockey team. He's, like, promoting this. Yeah, apparently his family's big into hockey. Lorelai walks over to the counter to get away from Dosey. Rory is just like flirting up a storm with Jess. And Lorelai's like, you're supposed to bring me back coffee. She's like, I forgot because I'm in love with this man. And then there's some fun dialogue where she's like, I need you to act sick. I need you to please limp. And so she like walks over to Dosey and she's like, I'm really sick. And he's like, what is it? She's like, it's French. (laughs) And he like accepts that and is like, oh boy, I don't want to get anywhere near this. Yeah. And then they like quickly escape. 
One thing you forgot to mention is when Rory leaves Jess, he says, I'll call you later. Yes. And also Taylor got hit with a hockey puck when he was in high school. It's a hockey ball, honey? It is not. Then we cut to Friday night dinner where the girls are eating quickly, specifically Lorelai and Rory. They're just like shoveling food down their mouth. And we find out that they're trying to get out of there by 8.30 because they both have dates. So now we know that 8.30 is an early time to leave Friday night dinner for future and past reference. Yeah, which is important because Friday night dinner timing has always been weird. This whole time, Emily is just complaining about tricks and how she, like, called to make sure the towels were all Egyptian cloth. Richard, of course, was like, it's a simple question, Emily. (laughs) If anyone ever asked me that, I'd be like, uh, I don't know, but I can tell you you're not coming here. Trix is going to be staying with them for a few days while her floors get redone. Then someone's at the door. Richard goes to answer it. Then he comes back to the table, like, without saying who was at the door. And Emily goes to check, and it's just, like, some movers bringing in a bed. I'm sure it's an all-Egyptian class mattress. If that's a thing, I'm sure it is. Because apparently she doesn't want whatever bed Emily has. Emily calls the two girls out. She's like, what are you guys trying to do? I can tell you're trying to get out of here early. Rory's been on her pager this entire time. So we know it's a pager, I guess, finally. She clearly had a phone in the previous episode. So she has both. Or yeah. Emily's confused about how phones work. She also has, like, a weird AOL text. And she's had tons of weird devices. Rory says that her date starts half hour earlier than Lorelai's, but... We confirmed very soon that Rory didn't actually have a plan. Yeah. So it's weird that she's saying what time her date starts. Agreed. I missed that. But you're absolutely right. So they rush home. Lorelai's like, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. And Rory checks the answering machine to see if Jess called that there's no messages. And Lorelai kind of says like, oh, there's no messages? You want to come with me? We're going to go see a midnight movie. And she's like, no, I'll just wait for him to call. Guess what? Spoiler alert. He does not call. Then we cut to the next day. Get down. Get down, Kurt. Get down. Get down. Get down, Kurt. Good boy. Good boy. Good boy. So then we got to the next day, and Rory and Lorelai are walking outside. Rory's like, yeah, he never called, but I got to clean my computer really well. And they see the school has been, like, completely teepeed, I'm guessing by the opposing team, maybe? Yeah. And Dean is there, like, helping take the TV down and, like, smiles and waves at Rory. I guess he's on the hockey team. Yeah, I guess so. I guess we find that out now. And then Lorelai says something to Rory, like, you know, you were pretty spoiled when you were with... Dean, he's a pretty crazy good first boyfriend. Like, my first boyfriend was, like, terrible. Yeah, because Rory starts, like, comparing Jess to Dean, almost, like, putting Jess down. Like, at least when Dean said he'd call, he called. And Lorelai's like, don't do that. That's You can't compare them. They're different people. Yeah. Which is so nice that, like, Lorelai isn't being like, told you so, like, a hundred times. Which I liked about that. It was like, Emily 100% would have done that. I feel like she's doing her best to, like, not put down Jess in this episode as long as possible anyway. Yeah. So then they walk into Luke's. Uh, Luke comes up and he starts talking about how good at track he was, but, like, no one cares. No, no one ever cared that he was good at track. Jess is there, too. <laughs> Do you mean, like, you don't care or, like... I meant, like, he said no one cares. Right, but you said it, like, fuck Luke for even bringing that I mean, fuck you, Luke. <laughs> yeah, he's just sad that everyone's excited about hockey, but no one cared that he won state for track three times. Right. Jess is there, and you would expect Jess to say something like, hey, I'm sorry I didn't call you, or hey, I couldn't call you last night because this crazy thing happened. But he just is like, hey, you can sit there if you want. So Rory just like grabs him up and, and leaves. And Jess is all like, what happened there? And Lorelai says, well, I mean, why didn't you call? And he's like, well, I worked till midnight. It was too late to call. So Lorelai's like calling him out like, you didn't have a break. You didn't have a chance to call and say, hey, I'm going to be working late. And Jess is all like huffy puffy, kind of acting like Luke does when he's in, confronted with an emotion. I feel like he could have called 100% or you say the next day like hey I'm really sorry I didn't call yes I didn't have a chance I I wish I could have but I didn't I also kind of think 
Rory put maybe too much expectations on him, like mumbling, I'll call you later. Yeah. Because she's like, we had a plan. But literally their plan was he was going to call later. Not like, I'll call you later and we'll discuss when we're going to meet. Yeah. I think Jess is more wrong. But I do think Rory did like a teenage girl thing of thinking something more exciting was going to happen than would have. Yeah. So then we cut to the Gilmore Girls house where Dave and the band are practicing Christian music. Apparently, Miss Kim has booked this Christian trio. I'm putting those in air quotes. Okay, so it's Brian and what's the other guy's name? Zach. Zach. Brian and Zach. And Brian's the one that sort of looks like me. Nope. No, I meant Brian's the one with glasses. Yep. Zach's the one who's cool looking as shit. Uh, well, okay, so you have glasses. Which one do you think is cool? Both of them. <laughs> So then we have this weird exchange when they're going through a hymn and they don't like a lot of the words. They don't understand them. I will say real quick before we go into this, hymns are crazy. Like I remember in church, there'd be parts where they would just be like, we're going to make this like three syllable word into like one syllable. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? How am I supposed to sing this exactly? All the times in hymns, they're like, if we put an apostrophe here, that makes it fine. You're like, no, it doesn't. I'm confused. I was a frequent attender of church as a child. Went all the time. Don't so much anymore, but I've gone a couple times with my parents recently. And the last time I went, there was like only two hymns because I think they were trying to limit singing because of COVID. But the one was like the most insane melody. It was like some child just like started plunking down on some piano writing software. The notes just made no logical sense. No one knew how to follow it. Like some hymns are great and classic and have beautiful melodies. There's just some hymns though too where you're just like, unless I've heard this before, does anyone know how to sing this? That's fair. Also, my church like a giant hymn book we did not do most of those hymns you went to like a dancey church a dancey church yeah like a hands in the air just don't care what the hell church you t- did your church have a guitar yes my church did not have it a also guitar. had like a small dance floor <laughs> <laughs> no it didn't you just said it was a dancey did it have drums listen Yes, it had drums. My church had an organ, and don't you dare think about drums when you enter this building. <laughs> there was a sign that said <laughs> that, don't you even think about drums. You thinking about tambourines, girl? Tambourines are fine, okay? No. Miss Kim makes that clear. There's no percussion in church. Okay, well, Miss Kim is fine with tambourines. Maybe she hand on them. Did you say hand jobs? No, hand bells. Don't you think about drums when you're giving hand jobs in this church. You always think about hand jobs. Eh, uh, well. <laughs> what was your church like? Let us know. Okay, so we have this weird exchange where they're talking about ball warks. What's his name? Jake? Sure. What's his name? Which one? Not Brian. Zach. So Brian is all like, a ball arc? What's that? Sounds gay. And then Brian's all like, oh, I don't know, man. Calling him as gay has got to be a sin. I do think you switched their names, but this is the correct dialogue. Okay, but it's so crazy because it's like, oh, no, man, don't say that. By calling it gay, you might offend a religious person. Yeah, while well, they're giving their church hand jobs. Now, forget about the gay person you just disparaged by using their sexuality as a pejorative. It is weird the word gay like was used so frequently in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I know this isn't in the 90s, early 2000s, but like I just remember everyone would say it all the time. And like now, like the idea of saying it offhand like that is like offensive to me. I feel like younger people don't understand how frequently it was used. Right. I would say even like five years past this too. Past the show. Yeah. I remember making a conscious choice to be like, I'm not going to say that anymore. That's, that's good. Dave comes in and is like, you can change the words to, like, modernize them if you want. Which I'm kind of like, is Mrs. Kim going to be fine with that? Because, like, I don't feel like she wants updated hymns. So Lane has a plan of how to get around her mother's, like, set-up date situation. In a previous episode, Miss Kim blindsided Lane by saying, like, hey, I picked this guy out for you, Young Chu. He's Korean. You can date this guy and take him to prom. 
But her plan to get around this is she's going to go on a couple dates with this guy. They're going to be bad, and then she's going to, like, break up with him. They're going to have him dump her so Mrs. Kim feels guilty and lets her date Dave. Exactly. And Young Chu is totally in on this plan. Apparently, he is in love with a Japanese girl, and he's essentially, like, the male lane. So he's, he's totally down for this. Their first date's going to be this hockey game. Then the next scene is at the end where the Dosi clan is in full force. It's just like a lot of loud, high-status, mean dudes. Yeah, I don't know if it's like a sibling, but this guy is yelling at Michelle about France. Yeah, it was. he's like yelling at him. He's like, you speaking French? You'd be speaking German if it wasn't for me. Like, chill out, man. Michelle throws keys at him. Yeah. Dosi, though, uh, Dosi Prime, as I like to call him, <laughs> Taylor has, like, provided a map for his, like, family, but they point out that he's just, like, arbitrarily made all of the things he owns very large on the map. Yeah, he wants to take them on a tour, even though they're, like, from here? They give him shit. They're like, why does shop have so many peas in it? <laughs> that was a funny joke. Yeah. And then there's a guy named Doug or Dad. It's not clear it was, which it's one. It's Doug. I turned on the captions. He off. seems to be, like, the alpha dosi. He gives, like, Taylor, like, some shit for his map. I'm sad that that's the most we see of the Dosi clan, though. Like, yeah. It's kind of funny, and I'm like, I want to see this. I love seeing, like, Dosi have to accept other people being superior to him, because he usually does not. They could have easily shown a scene with them at the hockey game. Exactly. Maybe Taylor gets hit with another puck. It's a ball, honey. It's a hockey ball. It is not. Or just, like, more of his brother being mean to him. Yeah. Or just even more of these people. So Lorelai is like wading through this like sea of doses. And then she finds out that Emily, her mom, has just been waiting there all along. She doesn't seem to have a reason to be there. She seems like she's inventing one. She's like, I'm just, I want to plan a DAR meeting here. So I thought I would check it out. So, you know, make sure the place she's already held the meeting is still there and cute. Like, I don't know. <laughs> doesn't really make sense. Then she just like blurts out, I'm not allowed in my own home. <laughs> Trix is having her bitter old biddies club meeting. I just love every time Emily says biddies. <laughs> Condescendingly, I love it so much. Bitter old biddies club. I want to know if they call themselves that. <laughs> no. It seems like she's insulting them, but I don't know. I think it's an insult for sure. Could be an English thing. I'll see if Giles ever says biddies. It wouldn't be in a nice way. She's going on and on about how, like, Trix thinks her flowers are too tall. <laughs> Yeah. Emily's just like losing it and she, she's like I feel like I'm going insane and she like puts her hand on her head like she's gonna faint onto the couch yeah and she's like I've been giving a list of chores and errands I need a slide projector it's all pretty funny Lorelai's like hey we have a slide projector I can help you it's all gonna be alright and that seems to calm her down a little bit she also implies that she's been missing Richard because he's been traveling so much and now that he's back he's spending all his time with his mom yes which is important everyone it's a ball it's a puck then we get to see the Christian boys, the Christian trio. That's I like, the name of the band? <laughs> I, the Christian boys. I mean, why not? And their names are? Brian. Uh-huh. Jake. Mm-hmm. Jack. No. Jazz. What is it? It rhymes with Jack. Zach. Yes. Zach Adosi. No. He's not related to the Dosis. Okay, well, you don't know that. You don't think Paris is Luke's kid. Well, they're at Mrs. Kim's, and she immediately criticizes them. She's like, where's your trombone? And they're like, oh, we don't have one. Tambourine. Ne- is it tambourine or tambourine? Yeah, you're like, she loves tambourines. You said that. Yeah, but they have trombone written down. Well, then why did you know she loves tambourines? Uh, maybe she says it in a different episode. And it really had an impact on you? Yep. But not the name Zach? No. <laughs> I love instruments, hate people. What is a trombone? The trombone is, if I'm imagining it, it sort of looks like a big bugle. Uh-huh. Like, almost like a trumpet. Uh-huh. How do you play it? You blow into it. What do you do with your hand? You push out the part that pushes out. Okay, yeah. That's right. Oh, thank God. 
I was like, am I just describing a bugle? (laughs) You slide it. You don't push it out. I mean, what's the difference between slide and push? Well, you can slide it back up. You can push it back in. It's called a slide trombone, not a push and pull trombone. Okay, it's a cultural thing that they call a slide trombone. At my church, they call it the good push and pull. Oh my God, you have trombones at your church too? Yeah. We actually did do that. You did? Okay. Brass is fine. Brass is fine? Yeah, nothing that could be in a rock band is allowed in church. Our church said brass and ass. (laughs) On this dance floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, things were pretty loosey-goosey at my church. It was a, it was an Evangelion-free church. Uh, anything went up. Evangelion? Evangelion. <laughs> it's an anime it's church? It's an anime. It was loosely a church. It was... Wow. <laughs> we're pretty similar people in a lot of ways, and now I'm starting to see where the differences come from. Yeah, okay, you thought I went to an evangelical-free church. Yeah. And I went to an Evangelion free-for-all church. Was your pastor Vegeta? Yeah, <laughs> Was Vegeta should have been there, everybody? It was great. We danced, hand jobs all around. Alien battles, yeah, alien battles, angels. Um, some of these are pretty deep cuts, guys. Oh boy, uh, I am bleeding everywhere. I don't know that everyone's gonna understand all of these references, but two people will like it so much. Yeah, three people that look just like Zach. I meant Brian. Uh, I think you meant Zach. Think I mean Brian? I don't know. Brian has glasses, right? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Brian, the character. I also have glasses. That's what. I, here we go. So I think you're a combo of the two. So Lane is getting ready for her date, uh, and this is all pretty funny. Like she comes down the steps, and Young Chu's there, and Miss Kim, Mrs. Kim wants to take a photo, and then she takes the photo, and she goes like, "This one's for the grandkids. Don't smile." <laughs> That was very funny. Um, but this is all very illuminating because Lane's like, okay, I'll be home by nine. And Mrs. Kim's like, yeah, whatever. Like, <laughs> what? Whatever? That's not, in- that. what are you talking about? She learned that word. Yeah. And then Dave is just like staring daggers from the stage. Like, what's going on? Even though he's in on this. And then he goes to the bathroom and cries with the door open. <laughs> yeah, Willow's right next to him. Miss Kim is like super into her dating young Chu. It's very clear. So then we have a phone call between Lorelai and her daughter. And Rory is just like home, sad, waiting for Jess to maybe call. Lorelai's like, it's 6 p.m. on a Saturday. Like, you shouldn't be at home. You should be out. And Rory's like, you're right. I'm going to go to that hockey game. So she does. Then we cut to a very quick scene of Emily arriving at home with some of the stuff from her errands. And she's walking in, and she walks into the living room. And lo and behold, Trix is making out with... A gangster? I mean, like an off-duty gangster. It's a guy in a tracksuit, a velour purple purple tracksuit. So Emily sees this and then, like, very obviously sneaks backwards out of the house. Yeah, there might have as well have been, like, doo-doo-doo, like, creeping music playing. Yeah, like Pink Panther music playing. And apparently she goes to hide in the bushes. We don't know that, but we find that out later. What I'm confused by is she gave Emily strict instructions not to come home until 6. Yeah. And it is 6 because Rory says it's 6 on the phone with Lorelai. Yeah. And I really doubt Emily would have come home early. Yeah, I agree. So Trick's fucked up. Honey, when you're horned up and church is like several days away. You bring church home with you. Yeah. But she should have been watching the clock. She should have been, but she was just, you know, when you're fooling around, time flies. When you're standing up making out in a living room that's not your own, time flies. Hey, we've all been there. Then at the hockey game, it's starting off with 
Miss Patty and Babette terribly singing the national anthem. I think it's supposed to be bad, you right? You know, it sounded bad up top, but then I think once they cut to them, it actually sounded kind of nice. Right. So I was not sure if it was supposed to be bad or not. Well, it's implied that Miss Patty is a, I don't know, experienced performer. Yeah, I know. But it, it seems bad at first. Right. But then they end it real strong. Unclear. Maybe if they had had a tambourine or a trombone, they'd been fine. Neither of those instruments would be helpful for the national anthem. Young Chu is on the phone with his girlfriend, which he will be doing for the rest of the episode. Apparently, she is not as cool with this fake dating thing as Lane and Young Chu and Dave are. Is Dave fine with it? Yeah, we'll find out, right? But Lane is, like, really excited and upbeat about what's happening. Rory has decided she's coming to the hockey game, so she's there. And she's just talking about how Dave is just the coolest, besides Jess, besides Jess. And Rory kind of is like, well, I don't know. You know, maybe he's not perfect. The best part about this whole scene, and honestly the best part of this whole episode, though. Wow. Is Kirk. Wow. Kirk is doing the announcing for this game because, you know, he needs another job. It's all very funny. He's sitting at the smallest little nightstand. <laughs> By the ice with like a giant pot of like coffee or tea (laughs) there. And he is just getting everything wrong about hockey. He calls he calls them quarters instead of periods. He calls the puck a ball. It's honestly it it shouldn't work, but it all does. It's all very funny. Have you been to a hockey game? I don't know. I think so. I went to a couple in college. People were really into it, but I remember it feeling like I was like in a foreign country. Like there was this whole culture of like things people shouted and I just didn't know what to do. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't super understand the sport. I mean, it's pretty, it's it's soccer on ice, essentially, with sticks. Right. And maybe went to one or two. They're pretty popular in my college, I think. But I just have no hockey upbringing. We didn't have hockey in my church. Mine did. Uh, had every sport. <laughs> But then we find out that Dave maybe isn't as cool as we thought he was with this. Because back at Miss Kim's, she tells him they can take a 15-minute break and that they're doing good. But this break might be a good time to retune. Specifically Brian. Yeah. Which is funny. I feel like Zach really got into the music. Yeah, he loves ball works now. Well, they changed the lyrics. They didn't seem to mind. They did, yeah. And then Dave, like, looks at his watch and then, like, holds for a second and then just, like, bolts out, clearly running to the hockey game. And then we see him later in the hockey game. Lane is talking with Rory. He, like, runs in the background. And they say it's, like, a mile? Yeah. But he has to run two miles to run back in 15 minutes. Yeah, not to mention time to talk. But that's, you're going to be real tired. We we were, like, trying to do the math. Let's say Dave's on Luke's state-winning track team. No one cares then. (laughs) (laughs) He probably could run two miles in, like, 13 or 14 minutes? Yeah, running one mile is... Like, you could do it in five, but... Yeah, if you're a track star, you could probably run two miles in, like, 11 minutes. He should be pretty tired. Well, he only stays, like, a minute. Yeah. But Lane's happy he's jealous. Yeah, and that's actually a funny line, I think, from Rory, which is like, Dave is, like, cute jealous, but be careful, because then there's also Othello jealous. That was funny. Mm. Karen is still on the phone with Young Chu and then, like, wants to talk to Lane. Yeah. And then Lane's like, no, it's... He's... Not unattractive, I'm just not interested in him, but apparently that, like, isn't enough. She should be calling him ugly. Then they run into a woman named Lindsay, who we, the whole time I'm like, should we know Lindsay? Because, like, I don't don't know who this is. We've not met her before today. Yeah, but they start talking to her like they know her, and it's just like, she seems, like, kind of weird, and, like, maybe she's wigging out a little bit, and she keeps the conversation um, pretty quick, and then she leaves. Yeah, Rory's just trying to, like, figure out what the deal is, because it seemed like they maybe were kind of friends before Rory switched high schools. Yeah, she doesn't understand why she seemed like maybe she was uncomfortable. And then Lane kind of indicates that some people do resent Rory for leaving, like, Rory thinks she's better than other people. Oh, yeah, that's right. 
Back at the Gilmore house, Lorelai's house, Jess shows up and he was like hoping to see Rory. And Lorelai's like, well, she's not here. And also, um, you're maybe not treating her right. Yeah. She like gives him shit for not calling. I do feel like she gives him shit, but she's not like bringing the hammer down. Yeah. But and she even like has an olive branch. She's like, you like music, right? Like maybe do something like that with her. I feel like you just, she's not the kind of girl who's going to stay home on a Saturday night. You need to make some kind of plan. Oh, I thought the music thing was like the specific lyrics from the song that she was trying to relate to him. Oh, was that what happened? Yeah, she like quotes a Beach Boy song or something. See, well, that, that's interesting because I, I didn't think that because Beach Boys is such a like, you like music, right? How about really old shitty music? Yeah, I'm trying to relate to you, but here's a super old thing. Yeah, that clearly you would not be into. I thought it was like an indication that he should have taken her to a concert. Hmm. I think the big takeaway from the scene is Jess says, Rory knows I'm not the kind of guy who lives by a schedule. Yeah. But I don't know that Rory does know that. I don't know that Rory's accepted that. Right. Or even knows what that necessarily means. Like, she knows he says that, but I think maybe in her head she's like, yeah, but that's not forever. Trying to change him? Because you said he was, she wasn't trying to change him. She is. She's not actively trying. She's just hoping he'll change. I mean, she leaves a phone call saying you have to change. And then she tells him to delete it. Okay, because he changes. Does he? I do think this is kind of ridiculous, though, right? Like, I don't live by schedule. Like, yeah, we can get that, like, not every night's going to be planned. But I feel like you should be like, hey, let's let's get together this weekend and not just show up at her door, right? Yeah, I, I think maybe he thought he was trying to be sweet by, like, showing up instead of calling. Yeah. Or he wanted to have sex. Not yet, boo. Not yet. Back at the hockey game. Oops, oh, no. We find Dean kissing Lindsay. What? Oops, oh no. Oh no, this isn't great. Rory is not going to be excited about this. And Lane is all like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm supposed to be your eyes and ears at Stars Hollow High School. I should have known. I should have told you. Rory's sad. Um, But what's best about this scene is Kirk again. (laughs) Kirk has this line. It's so funny. He's like, he's skating and he's skating and he's skating. And Dean comes over and tells him to stop. Yeah, Dean's like, hey, uh, some people, not me, say you need to stop. Completely. And then another great line where Kirk, like, calls over a player like, hey, can you just explain what just happened to me? The whole time, like, he makes announcements. Any scene that doesn't show Kirk, he's saying stuff like correcting stuff he said. You know, like, it's called a puck, not a ball. That's all very funny. I will say there's an episode of Full House where Uncle Jesse has to announce a hockey game and has no idea what he's doing. Oh, yeah? You think this is stolen from that? Could be. They did steal a Beach Boys reference, which was like... Also an Uncle Jesse thing. Yeah. Poor Uncle Jesse. He was supposed to be this, like, badass rock star, and then every time he sang, it was like the most family-friendly bullshit. Well, yeah. He got soft. And the team loses. It's very sad. Kirk just starts talking about, like, the Jews from the Old Testament wandering the desert. And he's like, most of you here are too old to even make it to the promised land. You die before we find it. And he starts naming people specifically. Yeah, because it takes 40 years. He's yeah. like, I'll be 70 then. Miss Patty, you'll be dead. You'll be dead, sir. You'll be dead. That was very funny. Great scene for Dosies could have interacted. but Yeah, yeah. he, like, references Taylor. Why don't we see him? I don't know. They should have. Maybe it was cut. Dean comes over and he's like, hey, what's going on? Uh, how are things with Jess? Awkward thing to ask, right? Like, I would never ask an ex, like, how their things are going with their new boyfriend. They might talk about Lindsay first, and then she asks him about Jess. Yeah, that's true. I guess that's less weird. Uh, but she goes on to say that she likes Lindsay. Like, gives her blessing, essentially. Yeah. She's all like, oh, she, like, was really nice to me and, like, offered to pay for some stuff when we were younger, so I approve. I like her. Yeah, I think him asking about Jess is just being like, and yeah, yeah. we've both moved on now. Yeah. 
Rory says like things are going well with Jess, but obviously they're not. And then as soon as she's done talking to Dean, she like rushes over to a payphone. So like, she doesn't have a cell phone. Yeah, I, what is happening? Does she have a cell phone? Or doesn't she? I guess in the last episode, it made sense for her to have a cell phone. In this episode, it really doesn't. <laughs> Otherwise, she could just have Jess call her wherever she is. Yeah, that's true. So maybe they just was like, yeah, she doesn't have one now. Give her back her pager. So she calls Jess just like furious and leaves this like angry message about like, I want to be spoiled. I will continue to be spoiled. You need to have plans. It's funny because at the end she's like, oh, and this is a message for Jess. Yeah. Poor Luke. Yeah. But when she leaves, Jess is there sitting on his car hood. He's got tickets to the distillers. He was waiting for her. And she's like, oh, um, when you get home, can you erase your voicemail messages? So all's well. Everything's fixed. Everything's fixed. There's no way Luke's not intercepting that message. Yeah, and going to give Jess shit. Also, on the same time, Trix is having her old biddies party or whatever it is. <laughs> old baddie biddies reunion. Apparently, they're, like, discussing, like, obscure photos. They're looking at, like, things Negatives. they're acquiring for some museum or something like that. Mm. All of the women in this group look identical. They all look like retired Supreme Court justices. Yeah, or like the Queen of England on her day off. Yeah. Trix is being an uber bitch, like always. She's just like constantly negging Emily. She's like asking for tea. She just keeps talking about how thirsty she is. Yeah, Lorelai shows up. She's like, you're interrupting nothing but thirst. Yeah. And then as soon as the iced tea gets sat down, she grabs it for like a second and like, too warm. Emily, though, is surprisingly chill with all of this. She's like, oh, let me cool it down for you. She gets some ice. She just uses her hand, by the way. And she's just singing this song, Love in the Afternoon. Huh, wonder why. It's funny because, like, she's clearly trying to send a message to Trix who's not getting it. No. But Trix is just, like, laying on the nagging heart. She's all like, I hope Emily serves dinner on time. I'm sure she won't. Emily sucks. I hate Emily. Uh, some of some of that was true. So Emily goes true. to the kitchen, and Lorelai's like, what's going on? And Emily just tells her, like, I saw her kissing a man in a purple velour jogging suit. And, like, I'm going to tell everybody. And Lorelai's, like, being the voice of reason right now in the kitchen. She's like, you can't do this, you know? She doesn't want anyone to know. Come on, be the bigger person. I know she's not nice, but come on. This is funny, though. Emily was, like, a whole different character in this scene. Like, the way she spoke, I thought. She's just so relaxed and, like, giddy. Yeah. Well, she also was just like, I finally have something over this woman. And so Emily sort of, like, acquiesces and is like, you're right, you're right, you're right. I shouldn't do this. She walks out. Trix immediately bitches about dinner. And then Emily just is like, I saw her kissing a man in a tracksuit. <laughs> it takes, like, the smallest prod before it comes out. But then Richard, like, reacts insanely. Yeah. He's like, what? And then one of the women, like, literally clutches her pearls. Yeah, I'm not sure she didn't die. A tracksuit. And this is too much, I guess, because the next time we see Trick, she's, like, upstairs in her bed, I'm, I guess, dying from embarrassment. Yeah, she's got, like, a, a cold compress on her head. Yeah, she just took everything out of her. And Emily's, like, she's bringing her some stuff, and she's like, I'm really sorry about what happened. I, I feel terrible about embarrassing you. She's really trying to apologize and clearly feels bad, but, like, Trix doesn't care. She's just like, whatever. Emily asks her, like, why she did this. And Trix is like, I was married. I'm not going to marry again. It's that sense of, like, doing what's right or there's one way to do things. Yeah, she believes a woman marries for life. Yeah. And that if you need something else in your life, you add on a library or a solarium. Yeah, a solarium. What the fuck is a solarium? To look at the stars? Yeah, I don't know. And I refuse to look it up. I love that she's like, I have a library. 
I have a solarium. Yeah, bragging about the stuff she has, sort of. <laughs> she says, I don't care for being lonely. It's quite annoying. Yeah, so then she picked up this... Uh, Fella. Yeah, temporary lover, I guess. I think they've known each other a while. I get the impression this has been going on for a bit. Yeah, I agree. You'd Which think is- she could go like four days without seeing him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, it's interesting, though, because, like, Emily has set up that she knows when Trix is with somebody. So it's weird that Trix was getting away with seeing someone without Emily knowing. Mm, yeah. I almost feel like that was supposed to be foreshadowing, but it, like, works against what Emily set up. Yeah, yeah. But then Emily, like, turns to her and is like, you know what? My husband travels a lot, and I miss him a lot, and it's hard for me. And it would be nice if you could, like, show some kindness towards me and some sympathy once in a while. And then Trix, like, gives her a look, like, almost like, maybe I will? Downstairs, we see Richard on the couch, and we think he's going to be, like, super angry or something. You know, have one of his, like, Richard freakouts. I guess he doesn't really freak out. But, you know, like, raised voice, angry, sitting in his little chair in his den. And Lorelai's like, are you going to be okay? And then he just starts laughing about it, which is great. He's not upset at all. And he's like, I guess I have a new daddy. (laughs) They were having a great time. Yeah, he loves this. This is the best. Then Emily comes downstairs and she's like, we're going to have some tea. This changes things. Rich is like, oh shit, am my mother and my wife going to like have an alliance? I can't have that. So maybe he's actively been stoking this. Perhaps. But then Trix sends down the maid to tell Emily how to make the teas. So he's like, oh no, we're good. (laughs) God, Trix sucks. Uh, So all that's very funny. But then at the Gilmore Girl house, Rory comes home and talks to Lorelai. And Lorelai asks her like, hey, what'd you do after the hockey game? And Rory doesn't tell her that she hung out with Jess, which is weird, right? Yeah. Almost like, why wouldn't you mention that? It's almost like you're intentionally not. And then Rory's like, I'm just kind of tired. And she just like goes in her bedroom, gets in bed, and like just looks sad. End episode. A lot of episodes end with her in her bedroom looking sad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why she wouldn't tell her. Maybe because she knew Jess was kind of being shitty the whole episode and her mom knew that. She didn't want to like give her mom more reason to dislike Jess. Well, Jess didn't do a shitty thing in this episode, though. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he did by not calling, but like by showing up, that's like the redemption. It's also interesting that Lorelai wasn't like, did Jess meet you at the hockey game? He came here and I told him where you were. Like, you'd think she would want to know how that ended. I assumed she assumed he didn't because that wouldn't be something he would go to. Rory also was like, I don't want to talk right now. Yeah. I want to go to bed because yeah, yeah. Lorelai was going to tell her about her night. Mm-hmm. And you can tell when Rory goes to bed that Lorelai, like, knows something's up. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, to me, this is her being like, do I want to be with Dean? Right? It's not like, or like, did I make a mistake? I don't think it's a, I'm stuck with Jess and he sucks. I hate Jess. What do you think? Yeah, it's probably a combo of, shoot, Dean was better in a lot of ways, and now Dean is not an option. I feel like it's a Willow bathroom crying situation. Totally. So, Stacey. Yeah. Do you think this is a good episode? I do think it was a good episode. I don't know that it's like the best episode ever, but I don't think it was bad. Mm -hmm. It's way better than some. And yeah, I was was entertained. It was very funny. Yeah, it's a funny episode. Emily was hilarious. Emily's very funny in Trick's episodes. Yeah. It just really puts her character in a different light. It's just very fun to watch her have the lower status. Yeah. It's interesting that Lorelai was just sort of like the facilitator in this episode to Rory and Emily. Yeah. Kind of giving them both advice. It wasn't really about her story at all. It's almost like they gave Lorelai a boyfriend to like take her out of the story for a lot of this season. Yeah. It gives her something to do. Right. We're not really worried about her romantic life. Yeah, because this romantic relationship we're not following at all. It's just happening in the background. Mm Mm-hmm. I do feel like at the same time, though, if they broke up, you would want to know. No, I agree, but uh, you know what I mean? Be like, little, you'd be a little sad because they seem happy. We're not seeing it at all. We saw Max Medina. We saw Christopher. Yeah, you're right. It's not really about that. It's a good observation. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. This I really didn't remember this episode much at all. Like I, the purple jogging suit seemed familiar, and like I couldn't remember how Lindsay came into the picture. I didn't remember Dean was on the hockey team. I didn't remember anything about the hockey game really. But yeah, I thought it was it was very funny, especially Emily and Kirk. Yeah, I agree. It's a very funny episode. So Brian, which episode do you think was better? I think Buffy was better again. I think Buffy was probably better too. I think Gilmore was funnier for sure. It was just like really had some really funny jokes, but I felt like the drama in Buffy was better and the yeah. intrigue. It's kind of a close one, but I, I would say since this isn't a particularly memorable Gilmore Girls, and that was a pretty intense Buffy, and not intense in like a whoa, what is this man in this tub with the water <laughs> ladle? Intense, just like character drama. Yeah, Buffy was better. Very funny Gilmore though. I feel like Gilmore is great in that like I regularly laugh. And mm-hmm. a lot of shows that are supposed to be, like, dramedies don't make me laugh that much. Yeah, some of these episodes of Gilmore Girls that are coming up, I'm like, I, I don't know what's going to happen in some of these. Like, I, I know the general beats of the season. But I feel like even in ones where it's like, that was sort of a whatever episode in the grand scheme of things, they're still very entertaining. Just the writing is so great in the, the scenes. I'm surprised by how much I like Kirk because I don't think I loved him at the beginning of the show. In fact, I would say this season in particular, they've really started to hone in on how to write him. Yeah, I, I think they realized he was like a comedy goldmine. Like this season, they're like, oh, we can, he could be jokes every episode. And you can easily just put him anywhere because of the job bit that they've set up. And he's like not a creep, but he is a weirdo. Mm-hmm. So they can do fun stuff with that. And it's not like, oh, what a creepy guy. It's like, no, what a weirdo, but not a creep, which is a fun window to be in. Well, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 3, Episode 16, The Big One. As well as Buff the Vampire Slayer Season 3, Episode 16, Doppelgangland. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Like, what instruments did your church have? Did you go to a dancing church? Why didn't Marie tell her mom about her night? Did you ever wait by the phone for a boy or girl to call you? What did you think about the role Mr. Trick played in this season? How did Angel get into that motel? That's a good question. Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. If you're enjoying our podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love hearing from you, and it really helps get our podcast discovered by even more Buffy and Gilmore fans. And if you leave a review, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. For even more comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y, Stacy with an E-Y. That's right. We also make comedy sketches, play board games, and review movies in a similar style to our podcast. For all that and more, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If social media is not your thing, you can send us a good old-fashioned email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. I've never done any bathroom crying. Really? Yeah. At school or otherwise? You tell me in that church it was wrong. You did something weird in a church bathroom, though. I did. We'll tell you about it next Next time. time.